0: This is the Data Privacy Detective. It's the end of the year 2020. A lot of people want to be done with the year 2020, and we're headed into 2021. And the last topic we're going to cover this year is how do you insure against all the risks of cybersecurity problems, cyber risk or cyber insurance, it's called. And today, to talk about that as we head into the new year, I have with me Sean McGee. Sean, thank you for joining us today.
1: Joe, thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
0: Now, Sean, you're a vice president of USI Insurance Services, and and you deal with a lot of commercial property casualty risks uh, for businesses. And I think you have a very international, multinational client uh, portfolio. Uh, What what is USI?
1: What what do you do there? Uh, USI is a full service brokerage and consulting firm. Um, We have full access to all the markets globally. Um, So we look to... Within our property and casualty group, consult and control customers total cost of risk, both not only from a premium standpoint, but from a coverage efficacy standpoint as well.
0: Right. And USI is an independent. So you shop the whole gamut of markets from the Lloyd's syndicates that are there to U.S. companies, uh, foreign companies as well, whoever provides insurance. And uh, today we're going to talk about cyber insurance. Now, I would say when I was born, there was no such
1: thing. So how did this get started? So, you know, cyber insurance is like any any type of risk issue. Uh, customers or businesses can choose to avoid risks. They can retain risks or they can transfer risks. And cyber insurance came about as a mechanism or vehicle for uh, companies to transfer those uh, risks onto an insurance carrier. Um, and the
0: first policy, what, goes back to the prior century? uh yes
1: i th- i think it's nineteen ninety seven was the first nineteen
0: ninety seven so up they popped and um it, it's available generally to businesses an individual typically
1: wouldn't buy this is that right um i think there's some type of uh credit monitoring and the like that that would uh you know, could go within a homeowner policy or something like that if you were to be subject to a breach event. But t- typically, and certainly my uh, focus is within uh, commercial enterprises. So
0: we're talking about business business risk here, given the way data has evolved to zeros and ones. and is all over the world, gets hacked, uh, ransomware, all these problems out there. So let's just talk about it. And uh, for, first, uh, are there a lot of insurance companies out there to choose from?
1: Uh, yes, I would say there's a tremendous um, volume and capacity of carriers willing to write to this risk. That wasn't necessarily the case uh, years ago, but I think um, now as people have become uh, more aware of the fact that this is not just a risk for healthcare or financial institutions, um, you know, more manufacturing, construction, energy sectors are subject to various uh, breach or incident events. Um, the marketplaces responded and, and provided some additional capacity. So, yes, to answer your question, there are a number of, a, a great number of carriers out there that are writing cyber policies today.
0: And as this became more and more of a risk to businesses, uh, with some of the perils I've mentioned, uh, hacking and the phishing of employees, and spear phishing and ransomware, and so on and so forth, uh, certainly we know that the costs when you, when a business suffers a data breach, uh, can be just very significant. So I assume premiums have expanded. And in general, we're not going to talk about any one company today. But generally, if, if a business comes to you and says, I want to cover my cyber risk, what can you tell them that a, a the normal policy will cover?
1: So I, I would say, um, due to the evolving nature of cyber risks, policies can really uh, be across the board as far as what they will and won't respond to. Um, Certainly it is our goal in placing coverage to make sure that the coverage is most expansive and will respond to the greatest number of events Uh, at a high level. You'd certainly want it to respond to first party um, incidents. Uh, any type of third-party liability claims, and then you're going to have notification costs. So now,
0: first-party incident, the business has insurance, and its uh, system gets hacked, and uh, data is exposed, and there are all these problems, lawsuits get filed. So what what actually is covered by the insurance? Uh, and then we'll turn to what isn't covered by the insurance.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you would certainly look to have a data breach event, you know, the, the cost with um, you know, losing your employees information or the recreation or the business interruption loss of having your system shut down for a number of days, um, it, you know, cyber extortion and social engineering. If you're, uh, you know, if you were to have some ransomware event or someone comes in and shuts your system down and says, hey, we're, we're only going to, we're going to destroy your backups and we won't allow you to get back in your system unless you transfer us a million dollars. Um you want it to, resp- again, you want it to respond to as many events as, as humanly possible. So those was- are
0: very direct damages a business can suffer. What, well, yeah. Let's talk, to, and in general, each policy will control precisely what's covered. But in right. general, it's the real immediate costs of dealing with uh, data breaches and ransom events and so on. Let's talk a bit about what it doesn't cover. For, I'll give you a few examples in general. Uh, in general, will it cover lost profits?
1: Um, your standard policy will not. Uh, I would say there are more expansive policies that could build into it. Uh, you know, business interruption, uh, type claims that, that could capture some of that. Okay.
0: And what about, oh, I, I, my, my reputation has been damaged. My business reputation just is uh, tatters. Uh, so send me a, send me a hundred million dollars. <laughs> is that going to be covered? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, again, I, I would say your standard policy is not going to contemplate reputational harm damaging but i i uh there are more expansive products out in the marketplace that uh you know I think there there are any number of large you know well known breach events across the country that we've seen you know quick quarterly dips subsequent to a loss event, so that there there are policies out there that could contemplate that, but I think, um, you know, your, your off-the-shelf policy would, would likely not cover that.
0: So let's say a data breach lawsuit has been filed by, uh, you know, class action lawyer. Will it cover sure. defense costs typically?
1: Uh, yes, yes. Absolutely. That's sure.
0: one of the big things because these 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 things can be quite expensive to defend and deal with. Uh, so <laughs> that's kind of. So I think you're telling us, uh, Sean, that basically the more direct out-of-pocket cost a business has, the more likely it's covered by the insurance policy. Is that sort of the basic wisdom?
1: Yes, yeah, I I think that would be. I think I would agree with that, Joe.
0: Well, how is it priced? Now I realize you're going to say it all depends. That's uh, the lawyer's answer, by the way, to everything these days. But uh, you know, generally, how how is it priced?
1: So I, um, I would say you could go to a carrier and and simply by sharing the company website and the revenue of that company, they could probably give you a premium indication of what they think your overall spend would be for that that policy, but um, I, I would say that we've seen, as lo- as larger ra- losses have rolled in, we've seen question applications and questionnaires grow and grow and grow. I, I would think a cyber application is without a doubt the longest application I have any customer fill out now right that's now. That's
0: fascinating. How long does it take between a business comes to you and says, well, I, I want to buy
1: it, get me a good quote, and they have insurance. Is there an average time? i mean I, I would think um you know it would depend on the urgency of the matter but uh right. normal course of business would be you know a couple of weeks a couple up. weeks but the business would have
0: a long questionnaire to fill out
1: uh sometimes upwards of 20 pages
0: oh my um, goodness and the cio probably gets involved and other people and uh does the insurance carrier really do they uh really go into this with great care or do they pretty much uh Take the information and, uh, and uh, treat it as credible. Of course, one should always be fully honest and forthcoming with an insurance carrier, so the risk is understood. Uh, but uh, do you have some back and forth, and are you seeing insurers say, "Well, I'm sorry, we're
1: not going to take you on as a client"? You know, how how, uh, how does this go? Yeah. So I, I think uh, what an insurance carrier is trying to do in the application and uh, you know back and forth questions is get a better understanding of the risk and how to price that risk. Sure. For- for that risk so I, th- I think that uh, due to the continuing complex nature of cyber liability we've seen them come back and you know use third-party resources to access company controls additional questionnaires um, you know not only would your overall protocols and your IT support system uh, impact pricing but that's also going to definitely impact the carriers willingness to offer uh, limits or certain sublimits within that policy.
0: And it probably could help the business understand how to upgrade its own
1: security. Uh, The insurer
0: may be pointing out things that are a darn good idea from a business standpoint. I assume that's part of what happens.
1: Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. I I think that's what the the carriers are looking to uh, get into the minds of companies and ultimately makes them more apt and and ready to deal with uh, cyber incidents in the future.
0: Now, Sean, you live in greater Cincinnati, uh, but I, I believe you have been in service a lot of multinational companies, foreign or domestic uh, owned. So will the typical uh, policy sourced uh, here in the United States or uh, with the carrier uh, carrier that you uh, end up uh, Uh, recommending, uh, deal with non-U.S. risks. Certainly, Europe has a much tougher uh, set of rules about data privacy than at least the United States so far, maybe except for medical and financial stuff. But will it cover global risk? And uh, does that cost more? How's that dealt with?
1: Yeah. So, um, yes, to answer your question, I would say a sound cyber policy would, one, offer worldwide coverage um, you know, standard property policy is going to limit it to, um, you know, the domestic United States. Um, but you know, to your point as, as far as, uh, the GDPR, you certainly want to have that within your policy, uh, any fines and penalties associated with, uh, you know, being in violation of that regulation, um, due to some breach event, you, you would want to have coverage for that. You know, um, I, I know it's not international, but California recently passed that, um, uh, almost a mirroring act out there, uh, similar to the GDPR, CCPA. Getting
0: closer, yeah, a little different, but uh, California, boy, is a leader in the United States right now, and and being tougher about data privacy breaches and so on.
1: So, yeah, I I I would say, again, a sound policy should have worldwide coverage, um, because, again, you you don't know where these bad actors are located, and and you want the policy to, to respond.
0: By the way, you mentioned uh, fines, and certainly the regulators, uh, data protection authorities in uh, in Europe, uh, attorney general of California in California. Uh, will, will a typical policy cover uh, the fines that a company might uh, suffer from a government?
1: Uh, it, uh, again, it should, um, similar to most policies, it's not going to cover criminal acts or intentional acts or things like that. But yeah. fines and penalties and, and fees associated with, uh, you know, again the GDPR or, or um, domestic um, cyber regulation, it, it should it should contemplate and respond to.
0: Well, placing the insurance is one thing, and then what happens when there's a claim? So, if if you don't mind, let me just ask you this, and don't name the name of the insured. But uh, can you give us an example of an insured who then suffers uh, a data breach, uh, and, and then works with the insurer? How, how does that go, and how how, how does the customer uh, benefit from what happens once the insurer says, "Yep, you've had a data breach. Uh, some things are covered." Uh, you know, give us a little. Uh, Uh, war story or example of what actually happens?
1: Yeah, so uh, this one was uh, just from earlier this year. It's an international customer of mine, and they were dealing with a a long-standing customer who had um, sent in a a purchase order, and unbeknownst to the customer that, to my customer, um, the uh, European customer's email had been breached. Uh, They sent them um, a payment request money was sent to my customer uh, in dollars and they said this was supposed to be in euros and so then the customer who was actually a bad actor said oh i I apologize we sent it from the wrong account please send that money back to us to this account
0: ah send me your bank account
1: information there we go Uh, we'll transfer (laughs) the difference um yeah yeah. so uh, my customer went ahead did that um you know a couple months later realized that they had yet to be paid yeah. And went back to the, to their customer and said, "Well, gee, I, we haven't been paid." And and of course, they had no idea what they were talking about. And um, later found out that that email had been breached. And uh, that that was a a typical social engineering cyber crime event that their policy— a very
0: was- common one. FBI says that's over 100 billion in losses yeah. last year. That's yeah.
1: right. But- yeah. That was a $100,000 loss, um, which was paid in full subject to their uh, $5,000 deductible. So,
0: And a pretty easy adjustment uh, there? I mean, no no
1: lawsuit needed? Uh, no, no. I, I uh, yeah. We worked through it. Um, obviously, claims aren't fun, but that's why you have robust coverage to respond when they happen. And um, it was relatively painless process. But if too. any
0: good insurance will tell you, claims are why insurance exists. Uh, if none were paid, nobody would pay premiums, would they? So let me ask you this in closing, Sean. What what top tips do you have for businesses thinking about uh, this risk, uh, the, the cyber risk, uh, about preventing data breaches, ransomware, other data-related re- hazards, and then uh, whether to insure it? What top tips do you have?
1: Yeah, so I, I would say, you know, the, the, the two biggest in my man, mind are, t- one, training. And to um, to build out a breach response plan. So and training
0: just the top people or everybody in the workforce?
1: No, it, it's. I think people have come to realize that this is not an IT issue. This is an enterprise wide issue, and from the C suite down, I think everyone needs to um, take ownership of um, you know ha- having good cyber hygiene, as I've heard it called. That's a good
0: good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, the
1: the, uh, the analogy I've heard in some uh, seminars is that. You, you can build the most robust castle, but if you have someone on the inside open the door, that it's all for naught. So the
0: weakest link type of thinking, and that's certainly exactly. true in so, the data field. Yeah,
1: um, you know, having your own internal training, sending sending fake emails to employees, the employees that are clicking those links, offer them further training. Um, you know, continue to update and uh, utilize that in a meaningful way, and then your breach response plan. Um, you know, similar to if your building uh, suffered a tornado or a fire loss, you know who you're gonna call and what you're gonna do. And, and in the same manner and fashion, if you were to suffer a breach event, uh, that's not the time that you wanna sit around the boardroom and try and figure out who to call and what to do. You wanna know uh, who you're gonna call first. And, and I think you're gonna like this answer, Joe. I would tell you to tell all my customers to call their attorney first.
0: Oh, absolutely, call the attorney. But seriously, and also call your claims agent at the insurance sure. company, right? No,
1: so, yeah, trust me, i I'm okay being second or third on that list, but i I um the reason i I uh, tell all my customers to call their attorney is that any type of um, professionals or uh, mitigation response plan people that could be brought on board, you know you you could posit that that would fall under attorney client privilege and what you are forced to share with the world might be different than if you just access them yourself. So. For sure,
0: but because some countries have 72-hour requirements to notify the authority about a breach, uh, it's more than the attorney you want to call. Uh, <laughs> you've got to be ready is your point. Have your plan in advance. Hope you never have to use it, but have your plan in advance. That's a. Uh, do you have a third top tip and then we'll wind up for the day?
1: Uh, I would say, you know, continue continue updating and changing your um plan well, no my third tip would be to to put a cyber liability uh, program in place if you don't already have one um, and if you do i would I would um, take a review of that policy and see what it will and won't respond to because um, I, I think it's really all over the board as far as um, coverage um, responses so
0: and I think you've already said it, but it's a good way to uh, to emphasize it. This isn't just a hardware problem, is it? It's not just an IT problem. It's no, the
1: whole enterprise. Not. Absolutely not. Um, it, as as we've seen, and in, in insurance policies have started to contemplate the emphasis on business interruption claims. You know, even property damage and bodily injury. I, I know there's there was a recent case of somebody being misdiagnosed as it related to. Uh, coronavirus and then ultimately dying as related to a, a breach event. So that, that type of contemplation within a policy, uh, you know, it, it requires constant vigilance to make sure that your policy is changing year over year because the risks are changing year over year with them.
0: Well, and as we end 2020, there's a new lawsuit uh, by a gentleman in New Jersey who was uh, Uh, facial uh, recognition technology was used. He ended up in jail 10 days, and he was not the guy. (laughs) And so there we are. Now there's a civil lawsuit, and uh, a good insurance policy probably would cover that. Just another example of the emerging uh, and expanding uh, threats that any business faces uh, from data and, and its perils. Well, Sean, thank you for being with us today, and I'll close our podcast as I do every time. Remember, protecting your personal data privacy begins with you. Sean, thanks very much and a happy new year to you.
1: Thanks, Joe. Appreciate being on. Happy new year to you.